Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermons. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. This morning, um, I would like to talk to you about being rooted. And Pastor Quentin has been bringing some amazing words, I think we could all agree, and some challenges these past few weeks. And I really felt like God just wanted to address a good way for us to actually take those things in and to apply them and to see the fruit of those words in our lives. So this past uh, spring at the Carl home, we started doing what most people do, which is going out and bringing some refreshing. And some of that refreshing was to the front yard. And there was some plants that had just been there and overstayed their welcome. So we went in, and when I say we, I mean my husband, went and started pulling up all these old plants and these weeds, and I watched, and my kids got little shovels, and it's like, good job. And so they pulled everything out, and then I did participate in going to the store, because I enjoy that, and even if it's picking up soil, and um, like, woohoo, and <laughs> new plants, and brought those back and began to plant those in and just set up a new like little garden place in front of our in front of the house and um, my oldest son Malachi was really inspired by that really inspired and so a few weeks later he had been thinking on this and he said I want to plant something of my own and I was like ah I don't have seeds and so he's like like let's plant something so I had some little cherry tomatoes And so I cut one open, and I was like, here you go. And I gave him some seeds. And if you do any gardening in here, you're probably like, this was disastrous. And it was. So I gave him some little seeds, and he took the shovel, and he went out into the front yard where all the other plants were. And just like maybe like two scoops in, and then plumped all those little seeds together and we shoved the soil back on top and then got some water, probably overwatered and drowned anything that was there. And then we never touched it again. <laughs> That's what we did. And I thought that he had forgotten all about it. And that was, you know, like done and done. No. Um, a few, like maybe like two weeks ago, um, we were in the kitchen and he's like, hey, mom, um, what happened to the seeds? Like, why isn't there anything there? We planted them. So why didn't it grow? And I was like, oh, you remembered. <laughs> well, buddy, we'll just do something else, you know, just distraction. Look over here. Here's a cookie. And so... <laughs> Right, and so you're, of course, you know, I don't know a lot about gardening, but what I did know was, you know, the little bit that we did there, nothing was going to come from it, right? Because in order for something to grow, in order for a seed to grow and become the thing that it's supposed to be, you need the right season, you need the right soil conditions, um, water, and sunlight for that seed to be what it's meant to be. So what does this have to do with us? I think that there are places in our lives where seeds were planted, and yet we still haven't seen the fruit of that. Anybody else? And we are coming up to the Father going, Hey, hey, remember that seed? (laughs) 
Remember those words that were planted? Remember that message that PQ preached? Remember that word that I got? Remember that scripture that I read? What's going on? Where is the fruit of that? Why am I still going in circles? Why do I not see it yet? Well, God is a master gardener. And today, I believe that he wants to answer those questions and show us how to have fruitful lives. So we're going to look at Mark 4. Mark 4, 1 through 9, and then 14 through 20. And I'm going to try not to have too much interruptions as I read it to you, but we'll see how that goes. Okay, the parable of the sower. And I'm reading from the Passion. Once again, Jesus went to teach the people at the shore of Galilee, and a massive crowd surrounded him. The crowd was so huge that he had to get into a boat and teach the people from there. And he taught them many things by using parables to illustrate spiritual truths, saying, Consider this, a sower went out to sow, and he sowed, some fell along the beaten path, and soon the birds came and ate it. Some fell into the gravel with no topsoil and quickly sprouted, since the soil had no depth. But when the days grew hot, the sprouts were scorched and withered because they had insufficient roots. Some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. But some fell onto good, rich soil that kept producing a good harvest. Some yielded 30, some 60, and some 100-fold. If you understood this, then you would need to respond. All right, then we're going to go down to verse 14. Says, let me explain, because, and this is funny, I was reading that and then I was like searching, God, what does this mean? And then I was like, oh, you turn the page. And God says, let me explain it. All right, so <laughs> then he said to them, if you don't understand this parable, how will you understand any parable? Let me explain. The farmer sows the message of the kingdom. What falls on the beaten path represents those who hear the message, but immediately Satan appears and snatches it from their hearts. And then what is sown on the gravel represents those who hear the message and receive it joyfully. But because their hearts fail to sink a deep root, they don't endure for long. For when trouble or persecution comes on account of the message, they immediately wilt and fall away. And what is sown among thorns represents those who hear the message, but they allow the cares of this life and the seduction of wealth and the desires for other things to crowd out and choke the message so that it produces nothing. But what is sown on good soil represents those who open their hearts to receive the message and their lives bear good fruit. Some yield a harvest of 30, 60, and even 100 fold. Okay, so we're going to work our way through this scripture because I enjoy doing that and I have the mic. So, <laughs> verse, verse 3, okay, starts off right away. He says, consider this. In other translations, it says, listen, behold. I think that God is trying to get our attention there, right? Otherwise, he'd been like, whatever. All right, so I went out to sow. But he says, listen, behold. A sower went out to sow. And this really caught my attention. This paints a clear picture of someone going out with purpose, right? A sower went out to sow. A farmer, a gardener, is going out to plant seed for the purpose of growing a harvest. They're not just carelessly tossing seeds. They would be going with a purpose 
on purpose. There is planning that goes into planting. A sower would have a place where they believe that they would see a harvest that is worth putting their seed there. They have hope for a harvest. Jesus, as the sower, looks at every single one of you. He looks at us. He sees that we are worth planting seed in our lives, in our hearts. They have a hope for a harvest. And Jesus, as the sower, looks at us. He looks at this region, not only us as individuals, but he's looking at this region. He's looking at Maine. And he says, I can see a harvest here. He has planted seed on purpose with a purpose. God gave his son to purchase you, to purchase me, to purchase those who aren't even aware of him. And because he saw and sees worth and value in us, he was willing to do that. He called PQ to this church and to this area because he sees value in this region and in this state. Look, behold, listen, pay attention to what Jesus has done and is doing. A sower went out to sow with purpose. So we know right away when we're looking at the words that God brings to us through the Bible, through words that we receive, that it's not just like, oh, a coincidence. Like, no, God has um, picked you. He formed you in your mother's womb on purpose. And then he said, oh, I have great things in store for them. So I'm going to continue to sow even when they're not aware that I'm sowing. I'm going to continue to do that. And bearing fruit is never a problem with what is sown or with the sower, with Jesus. Bearing fruit is never a problem with what is sown, but it's with the soil that it falls upon. So let's talk about that soil. Verse 15 says, What falls on the beaten path represents those who hear the message, but immediately Satan appears and snatches it from their heart. Well, I don't know the full plan attack of the enemy. I'm sorry. Like, we couldn't sit down and talk and me go, and this is what he's going to do tomorrow. So I, I have no idea what that looks like in each individual's life. But what I do know is I can look at the history of the enemy and how he has moved, right? And a good place to look at the history and see the cards of the enemy is to read the Bible. And then we can see how he likes to attack, right? Or look back into our own lives and go, oh, I see there. All right. So I can look at the history of how he has moved and see that he attacks two major things. I think this is where he really likes to put all of his energy into attacking the identity of the father and our identity. Because how we see him affects how we see ourselves and how we see ourselves affects how we see him. Right. So he is going to use any experience or word spoken to bring about a lie of who God is. And he is um, going to do this because he also wants to keep us from who we are called to be in him. So a way that we can pray for someone who is not walking with Jesus, right, that might be hearing words and you're going, okay, what's happening? Like seeds are being sown and it just seems like so quickly the enemy comes and and snatches those things up. Um, I I had a a brother who was away from the Lord and you would think there, there was a time where he actually passed away and then was brought back. But when he passed away, we thought, surely that's the moment that something is going to click, right? But the 
enemy even came in and like snatched that up. So what, what do we do? How do we pray for people that we see around and, and those who might even be in this room who hear the word and the enemy comes and snatches it so quickly by attacking the identity of the father and their identity? We can begin to pray for their hearts to be softened by the love of God and the truth of who he is and who they are. For the blinders to be taken off so that they can receive truth. And I just felt to do this. So Father, we pray for the people who are in this room, who are in this region, the family members that are around that hear the truth, but it seems like the seed comes, the, the seed of your word is snatched so quickly by the enemy. So we pray that the blinders would be taken off, that they would see where the enemy has come to still kill and destroy in their life, and they would grab a hold firmly to the truth of who you are, the love that you have for them, and, and who you have called them to be. And we call them to step forth um, as your children, the children who you've created them to be, Father. And we thank you for their freedom. We thank you for their salvation. In Jesus' name. So... Let's move along. In verse 16, it talks about, so we know, okay, first he's with purpose scattering and, and here comes in the scripture, it says the birds of the air to pick up the seeds that, that Satan comes and tries to snag it quickly because he doesn't want people to walk in their purpose. But verse 16 says, well, what is sown on gravel represents those who hear the message and receive it joyfully, right? They're the ones who are like, I like Brussels sprouts when Pastor Quentin says it's a Brussels sprout and, and broccoli message. You know, I'm thinking of downtown. There's a place and they make like a huge bowl of Brussels sprouts that are so good. And so it, they're the ones you're like, yeah, like challenge me. Give me the word. Receive it joyfully. Um, but because their hearts fail to sink a deep root, they don't endure for long. Matthew 13, 20 puts it this way. It says, but his experience remains shallow. It implies an interest that doesn't sink spiritual roots into the truth of God. Or when trouble or persecution comes on account of the message, they immediately wilt and fall away. So I looked up what the words wilt and fall away there mean, and it actually means to get offended that something happens in their life and immediately they get offended, which offense causes us to stumble. Then I did a little more digging since we're talking about digging and roots and all these things. So I did a little more digging and found something pretty cool because I don't know about you, but when I've read the scripture before and I see that it's talking about rocky soil, um, how many of you in your mind, you automatically picture like rocks that you can see, like going down to the beaches here, like it's just rocks everywhere on top, like visual, visual rocks. That's what I've always thought of. Well, um, the, the analogy here, the picture that he was trying to show, is that um, it's actually stone that is underlying underneath the soil. So in many parts of Israel, a layer of limestone lies an inch or so beneath the surface of the ground. This layer traps the moisture, and for a brief period of time, a plant growing there may appear to flourish. But as soon as a dry spell comes, boy, those are fun. The moisture quickly dissipates. Due to the layer of limestone, the plant cannot sink roots 
and soon withers and dies. So let's look at the picture here. We were like, I joyfully like received the Brussels sprouts. Like I've been taking in the word and I'm excited for it. And then all of a sudden, like I just keep falling on my face or like I feel like I'm running in circles with something. Well, we might look like on the surface, like everything is all hunky-dory. North Carolina word, I guess. All right, so we might think everything's all fine, we might assume that, people around us might assume that, but we have to go deeper. That's where we have to step past just a surface or like, I go to church on Sunday and so I love the Lord and then that's that. And he goes, no, we have to sink deeper if you want there to be actual roots and you want to see fruit in your life. It has to go into relationship, right? And then um, this is the place where the Holy Spirit starts digging and he might reveal that we have offense with someone, right? Or that there's a group of people or that it may even be with God. That maybe we're holding on to something and because it's not the good, nice Christian thing to say, we're not willing to admit and get open and honest, even though he already knows, the places where, you know, we can sing the song, you're never going to let me down. And we're like, but I felt let down. I felt disappointed, and we we bury this offense against God because, well, we're not supposed to say that, right? Right? No, because I already know it's there, and it's hindering growth. So instead of just keeping that there and, and thinking that everything will be fine, I'd rather show you who I am and let you get to the truth of who I am, and let's break up these lies so that there can be real growth and fruit in your life. So this is a place that Holy Spirit starts digging, removing, shifting, breaking, and rebuilding, right? Because he doesn't just come in and, like, make a huge mess and be like, all right, well, bye, you know. No, when he comes in and he's, and he's um, poking at something in your heart, like right now you might be thinking of something, he, he's not just doing that to, like, agitate you and then take off. He's, he's doing that because he goes, hey, I want to work through this with you. I want to rebuild something new. This is a place where we get honest about what's really going on in our hearts and our minds. This is a place where we decide if we want to go past the surface of knowing about God and into knowing him intimately. This is a continual process Just like we were singing this morning over and over and over again. I'm bringing my heart, right? This is a continual process of God say, of of us saying to God, search me and know me. God, like Pastor Quentin has been saying, do I have clean hands? Is my heart pure? But this is also the pause that comes after that question. Not like, do I have clean hands? My heart pure? Okay, bye. You know, but staying around. having the pause and staying around to hear his response to us. This is where we get quiet and we let him hit the shovel down into the rocky places. I was just imagining that, like going down and then you hear a tink. (laughs) And then us not saying, oh, okay, bye. (laughs) But letting him, Holy Spirit, dig the shovel down into the rocky places of our hearts that we have hidden from others and even at times from ourselves but never from him. And this process can feel overwhelming. 
But let his love and his goodness come and overwhelm any fear or anxiety that tries to come in with that. And so in Jesus' name, we just declare that, that if any places where Holy Spirit is saying, hey, we need to work on this, and fear comes up and says, no, run, that you would turn and run into the arms of the Father, and that he would meet you there and begin to deal with you in such a loving, intimate way where you can know his goodness. He is a good father, the master gardener, and he is for you. Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30 says, Are you weary, carrying a heavy burden? Come, I will refresh your life, for I am your oasis. Simply join your life with mine. And learn my ways, and you'll discover that I am gentle, humble, easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me. For all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. What I love about this is also in the scripture where he says, simply join your life to mine. It is a picture there of, um, or in another um, in another version, you can read, take my yoke upon you. Maybe you've heard that. Take my yoke upon you. Well, I looked up, because I'm a word person, so, okay, what is yoke? You know, because it's not eggs. So, take my yoke upon you. It means bend your neck to my yoke. The metaphor of a yoke is that of a wooden beam, and I didn't think that was coincidence. It was a wooden beam that joins two animals to work, to pull Together, So when we step into relationship with Jesus, we have the ability to break up the grounds of our hearts together, together. You're right. It's too much. It's too big. It's too painful for me or for you to face on our own. But with Jesus, he is more than enough, more than able. He is bigger. He is stronger. And it's not too much for him. So this brings us into our experience, into our story of sinking deep roots with the Father. So that when the trials of life come, we can sink further into the truth of who we know him to be because we've broken past the lies of who the enemy says he is and who we are to him. Ephesians 3.19 says, to know the love of God, which goes beyond understanding. And that word know there means to experience for yourself so it becomes a truth. So God is saying to break past this limestone, this rocky surface, this underlying thing in your life that he wants to break past so that you can have freedom, not because he's annoyed with you, but because he wants you to be and, and live a life of fullness with him. He, he says... That comes through knowing me and not just knowing a bunch of scriptures or just showing up on Sunday, but knowing for yourself, experience who, experiencing who God is for yourself so that who he is becomes truth in your life. Yes. All right, you guys hanging in there? Here we go. Verse 18. Verse 18 says, And what is sown among the thorns represents those who hear the message, but they allow the cares of this life and the seduction of wealth and the desires for other things to crowd and choke the message so that it produces nothing. In Matthew, because I like how it said there too, Matthew 13, 22 says, the ones, 
the one that's sown among thorns represents one who receives the message, but all of life's busy distractions, boy, do we have those. All of life's busy distractions, his divided heart and his ambition for wealth result in suffocating the kingdom message and it becomes fruitless. And the adversary causes him to forget the word of God. Okay, so the picture here is these thorns are these cares of this of the world, of the weight of everything from day to day or in the years to come sometimes that we can put into our minds, right? Or that we allow our minds to dwell on. Cares there comes from two words. It means to to divide and the mind. So to divide the mind, right? Divide us from what? To get our attention and our focus off of the Father and onto the issues. Thorns come in and they take over the environment. And they will do the same in our minds and our spiritual growth if we allow them. Because we have responsibility here, right? About what's going to like take up residence in our mind. So I looked up how plants grow thorns and how it affects them. And I thought this was interesting. It's a modified system. So I'm like, so it's not the original way that it was intended to be. It's a modified system where the leaves die quickly and the stems grow for a limited time so thorns appear to protect the plant. The thorns continue to rapidly press against the plant and soon it cannot take in sunshine, moisture, or oxygen and nutrients essential to its survival. Engulfed in the shadow of the thorns, the plant begins to choke as the slow process of suffocation starts. Okay, I'm like, wow, that's a great picture of what it's like when we allow the cares of this world to come in and really set in. And we don't take our authority over our minds that we've been given. So we start to develop a modified system. And it seems good and maybe even like a smart idea, right? Like I'm just, I'm just caring and I'm focusing on, on what's going on around me. I'm supposed to do that. I'm supposed to be present and, and know what's going on. But are these decisions that we're making and our focus going to these areas because of responsibility or out of control, out of trying to control our lives? Are we, are we making these decisions because, like, this is just a part of adult, adulting, there we go, so fun word, <laughs> it's a part of our responsibility that we've been given, or are we putting up walls and living a modified life where we're closed off to the Father because we need to protect ourselves? Are we making these, fun word is inner vow, well, I'll never. And well, but God, that's a great idea, you know, to never go and do that. But is that we're taking control or we're saying, Father, with you, help me to live a life that pleases you? Are we looking to him first and doing it with him? Or is this our attempt to run the show? Jesus knows that we all have cares and will have cares. He isn't saying, hey, don't feel. Don't ever think about other things. So what is he saying? He's saying when we lose focus of him and begin to make other things first in our life, he knows that it will hinder our growth and the fruit that he wants to see flourish in our life. That's why he says in 1 Peter 5, 7, 
Pour out all your worries and stress. Amen. Pour out all your worries and stress upon him and leave them there over and over and over again. <laughs> leave them there, for he always tenderly cares for you about every little thing that bothers you, worries you, pulls, start, tries to pull your attention away from him. He cares. Matthew 6, 31 through 34 says, So then, forsake your worries. Why would you say, what will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear? For that is what the unbelievers chase after. Doesn't your heavenly Father already know the things your bodies require? So above all, constantly seek God's kingdom and his righteousness. Then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. Refuse to worry about tomorrow, but deal with each challenge that comes your way one day at a time, over and over and over again. Tomorrow will take care of itself. So guys, it's going back to the beginning where Satan attempted and achieved and twisting God's work words to make it look like he was holding out on Adam and Eve, that he was withholding something good for him from them when he had already given them his best. God is for you. God is with you. And when you seek his face, he will care for you. He takes care of his children. All right, we're getting to the end here. Verse 20 says, but what is sown on good soil represents those who open their hearts to receive the message and their lives bear good fruit. Some yield a harvest of 30, 60, and even 100 fold. Okay, so how do we become rooted and bear much fruit? Number one, we accept the word. Number two, we ask the Holy Spirit to Ask the Holy Spirit to search your heart and to prepare good soil. Father, is, Holy Spirit, is there anything in me? Is there offense? Are there areas that I haven't yet yielded over to you? Is there something going on? Is there um, a, an issue that I have with someone else, but really it's something within me that you're trying to work through? Is there anything going on that you want to speak to me about today? And most likely it, it, it will be yes, because <laughs> it's a continual process. And it doesn't mean that every day he goes, this is where you're getting it wrong. Because some days it might be, God, is there something, Holy Spirit, is there something you want to reveal to me? And he goes, yeah, I want to tell you how much I love you. Yeah. Number three, water the seed, the word, with the word, right? Because we know the scripture says faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing over and over and over again, right? The word. So we receive the word, and then we don't just, you know, like I did with Malachi, bury it and then go, okay, bye. <laughs> we have to continue to tend to it, to pour the word, um, ref refreshing and um, realigning our minds with the word of God as well. So we can come into agreement with what God is wanting to do. And number four, sunlight, which is passionate relationship with Jesus. Um, this is really cool. John 14, 21 says, Those who truly love me and those who obey my commands, whoever passionately loves me will be passionately loved by my Father, and I will passionately love him in return and reveal myself to him. That word reveal there also is the word manifest. Manifest comes from the two words, which means in and to cause to shine. 
right? It is used of a special divine manifestation. I will reveal myself to him is more than merely showing who I am. It means I will personally come to him. Right? Not just like, I will just read about him. I will just hear about him on Sunday. I will just think about him before I pray for my chicken. Right? This is God saying, if you decide to open your heart to me and passionately seek me, I'm going to meet you there with even more passion. And I'm not only just going to, you know, show you who I am through the word, but I want you to experience through who I am. That's a pretty amazing promise there, guys. So how do we bear good fruit? Is it through striving? Is it through trying to be good enough? Is it through religion? Nope. It's through relationship, through a heart that desires God, not just knowledge of him or just enough of him, but desires intimacy. The seed doesn't have to force the fruit to grow. The soil doesn't have to beg for it to grow. Come on. You know, I can just imagine in my brain a seed, like begging the soil, please. All right. The seed will become and produce what it's meant to be. Your job is to abide. Abide to be. So why do we try to produce fruit and like taking in the seeds of, of, of the word that's been given to us and, um, and, and what we read, and then we try to produce it through our doing, right? And it's not that it doesn't require action on the word that we've received, but so many times we try to be who we're supposed to become by just like achieving it ourselves, by all the things that we feel like we can do right. So many times um, do we try to figure it all out and We try to make it happen on our own. I think this comes from not understanding our value and our worth from just being. Can you say just be? Just be, right? Just abide with him, in him, intimately, passionately with him to be all that you are made to be. Jesus purchased us through the price of his blood, and he wants to sow seed and produce fruits in our life. He wants for our lives to flourish. Did you know that? That God actually wants for you to flourish? He actually wants you to live a life of of freedom and joy in him. He wants our lives to flourish And for us to grow and to experience him. He wants to walk with you in the garden of your life. See, I believe that God's desire is to take us back to the beginning. Where we open up our hearts, good soil. He plants the seed of who he is, of his word. We water it through more word (laughs) and through spending time with him getting face to face with God and then that fruit produces in our life and he brings this sigh of like it is good it is good and he walks with us through that garden of life I don't know about you but that sounds pretty amazing to me all right let's uh let's pray and we will close father thank you so much for the truth of your word. 
of something that you've brought that is so simple, yet sometimes we try to make it so complex by trying to figure it out all by ourselves and forgetting that it's you first and it's just stepping into intimacy, really encountering you, letting your word become alive in our lives. And if, we're un- if you're unsure how to do that, it's just by going, okay, God, you said you want intimacy with me, that you want to reveal yourself passionately to me, so I'm going to be here and open myself up for you to show me who you are in that way. And he is so good that he will meet you there in that place. And Father, I thank you for the opportunity, the great opportunity to be able to bring our hearts before you and to say what we've been hearing for these past few weeks. Is my, are my hands clean? Is my heart pure? Holy Spirit, is there anything that's below the surface and maybe even on the surface that is hindering the good fruit from growing in my life, that's hindering my relationship with you from sinking down and having deep roots? Thank you for revealing those things, Holy Spirit. Thank you for revealing the lies that have tried to be rooted. And thank you, Father, that you are the master gardener and you're able to come in and say, this root here, this doesn't belong. This stone here, this doesn't belong. These thorns here, these don't belong. And in your love and in your mercy, when we are bound together with you in relationship, that you begin to dig through and uproot those things that would hinder us from having a life of true freedom and joy of the in you we live and move and have our being. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your goodness, for your kindness. And Father, I thank you for the fruit that will abound Abound, you said some 30, 60, 100 fold, just from abiding with you. Thank you, Father, for the fruit that will come in our lives just from being with you. So, God, show us what it means to be intimate with you, to go past the places where we've been before, maybe the places where we've just been comfortable in our day to day walk with you. God, we want to go deeper and experience the more that you have for us. So thank you, Holy Spirit, for just continuing to speak to us. And as you bring things up throughout the week, that we would have a heart that says, yes. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.